Mindfulness Mode 437. I radiated this presence of calm and peace and wisdom well beyond my age at 14. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford, and this is where you can reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Mindful Tribe, I've put together a membership group called the Mindful Tribe Retreat. It's a virtual retreat where you can join me and others who love mindfulness. And I'll be leading you in such a way that we'll all have accountability to each other. You'll get to know each other and you can get an early bird price and be one of the founding members if you join up right away. We will have a two hour live call every month and we'll talk about topics that really matter, deep topics like pain, fear, forgiveness, and you can sign up at mindfulnessmode.com slash M-T-R, standing for Mindful Tribe Retreat. Have you ever thought of having your own podcast? If the answer is yes, then listen to the very end of today's show, and I have something for you, so stay tuned for that. And now, let's move over to today's interview. She teaches people how to earn money while making a significant difference in the world. She's taught people, get this, in over 76 countries. She is a phenomenal woman, very, very interesting. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with a woman who calls herself an oracle, Leah Dunlap. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have a fascinating guest with me today, and we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about her journey and what she does for people and how she leads so many people in the world. Mindful Tribe, I have Leah Dunlap with me today. Hey, Leah, are you in mindfulness mode today? I absolutely am. Yes, I'm super excited to be here and I'm feeling very excited about this space and time that we get to be in together. That's super. Yeah. Well, Leah Dunlap is an author. She's a retreat leader and founder of the Master Creators Academy. What a great title that is. That's an online life coaching program, and it helps people create success. Leah's products, now get this, her products and services have found their way to clients in almost, well, in more than 76 countries and have helped people align their purpose and business strategies in order to make money while making a significant difference in the world. And sometimes there seems to be a bit of a, A problem there, people feel they can make a difference in the world, but how do they make money doing it? And Leah is the lady to help us with this. So Leah, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, I love that question and thank you for asking. For me, mindfulness is really about tuning in and being present to what messages we're receiving in our bodies and also staying attuned to how the universe is communicating with us about what our next steps might be and to be present enough to be in concert with the universe. I love that concept that universe stands for one song and we are one voice with that song. And I think that the more attuned we are, the more beautiful that melody is that that we get to see in the world and hear in the world and be in the world. So I really feel for me that being mindful is to just be quiet and present within 
and structured to a place of listening to that reverb from the universe. Are you a musician? I mean, all these words, reverb and listening and one song. Uh, you know, I think it's because I'm an oracle. So I'm always listening. I'm always tuning in to insights and downloads. So, yeah. So I think there is that auditory piece that that is part and parcel to what I do. Well, you're certainly a wordsmith. You, man, I'm so impressed with the words you use and, and you're an oracle. And for those of you mindful tribe who aren't sure what an oracle is, it's, well, I looked it up. It said this, a priest or priestess acting as a medium through whom advice or prophecy was sought from the gods in classical antiquity. Now, would you agree with that definition? of? I, of you know, I love that definition. And, and I, you know, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Can I share a little secret? Yeah, first? Absolutely. Um, when I first kind of stepped into that title, um, I had to look it up. Okay. <laughs> it came to me that I was the Oracle and I was speaking to somebody about it. And I walked away from that conversation thinking, I better make sure that I'm saying the right thing, that, that what I'm expressing is true. And, uh, and so I looked up that same definition. And I feel like it is the most attuned to what I do. And um, I know there's like a sub definition of that, but yeah, I think that's pretty much attuned. Like there is a divine presence that I commune with and I use that guidance to help leaders to achieve better and more aligned results in their work um, to hopefully have a positive impact or more positive impact on the world. So I feel pretty confident with that description. That's awesome. So words and advice flow through you from the universe to help other people. Would that be a good description? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's even more apt. I think a description. Right. Right. Well, what age were you when you first realized that this was happening, that it just seemed to be almost like, I guess, an unreal quality about you? When did this happen in your life? Yeah, I, you know, the, the, I, I would say when people ask me that, I, I've always had this gift, um, this ability. However, it didn't become really clear to me that that's what was going on until I was 14. And I think that that happened in a way to make it abundantly clear. Um, I had my first full body apparition experience where I saw a full body in my room at 14 when I was in a very distressed state of mind. And, um, you know, as I mentioned before we started talking, you know, I had had a really tough childhood as many people have. Um, and I had tried to commit suicide. I started when I was 11 and this was, I was 14. And this was a time when I was probably, you know, had the wherewithal to really do something very drastic. And it was as if this guidance stepped in, in in the most, um, kind of obvious way to stop me. And that is actually where I coined the phrase. Or when I look back on the moment, when I knew that I was the Oracle on purpose, I was receiving these messages on purpose. And the so message wait, I received, wait, you saw a body in your I room. Did. What do you mean? I, do you mean a dead body or a no, living thank body? You for no, I saw a person okay. sitting at my desk because I had a little, you know, student desk right. in my room and I rolled over in bed and I was very upset. I was crying and I was emotional and I rolled over and I saw this person. He had dark hair, wearing a burgundy sweater, khaki pants, loafers. I mean, it was just the person sitting at my desk. And what was really amazing in the moment was that 
I wasn't afraid. I mean, here's an adult, I'm a child, a young person. And yet what I felt was complete peace and calm. And it oh. took over my body in the sense of I physically felt more calm. Like moments prior to that, I was so upset. I was just sobbing and suddenly I was very calm and he was just looking at me very simply um, and sending me this sense of calm and, and peace. And then I heard the voice and the message I heard was everything is going to be okay. And you are here on purpose. Hmm. And I never tried again to harm myself because I recognized that this experience in that moment was proving to me that I had some greater work to do. And that um, the moment I kind of sensed all of that and took the download in, I rolled back over to basically go to sleep at that point. And, you know, as anybody probably would, I kind of went, wait a second. And I rolled back again, the person was gone. And I just was calm enough to go back to sleep. And what I realized prior to that was there were many times in my life when I would tell my parents that I was seeing things and hearing things and they would just say, oh, you have imaginary friends. Oh, it was just a dream. And yet at 14, having the wherewithal to know what I was seeing, I was like, nope, I get it now. (laughs) All of those things were actually happening and I just didn't have the container or the expression to understand what I was experiencing. Okay. So for years after, did you look back on that moment to gain peace and clarity and, and direction? Absolutely. And, and even more so it became part of my practice. It became part of my awareness, like almost instantly at that point, from that point forward, I became the person in my groups of, of, you know, fellow students would come to me and ask questions I radiated this presence of calm and peace and wisdom well beyond my age at 14. And so like I had people at school would come to me, see me at lunch and ask me really deep questions who were in a lot of trouble and trauma. And I would provide guidance that I was receiving directly from this, this source. And um, it would be very helpful to them. So Leah, I want to ask you this, what happened at age 11 that made you feel so desperate that you wanted to commit suicide? Yeah, thank you for asking. I had been abused, sexually abused um, as a child, and um, I had no sense of knowing how to stop it. And I had become overwhelmed with the idea that somehow I did something to cause that. And mm-hmm. I was the wrong thing. And if I wasn't there, like things would be better. Um, and, you know, it's, it, I can't even, you know, it's it, obviously, I mean, I'm in 50 now, so it's many moons ago. And yet what I do recognize was that first attempt was both the crying out, because it happened on a school ground, the crying out to get some adult to kind of, recognize something was wrong and also that desperation of just wanting it all to be over, you know? Okay. So, so there was, it was a one-time incident then. At that point it was, there were other times that I would, cons- you know, I would go back to that thought pattern and that's, you know, until I was 14 and at that 14 moment was when I, I really sense in my, you know, hindsight being what it is, I recognize that, that because I had this calling, it was kind of like the universe just 
like literally jumped out as far as it could to say, shake me and say, this is, you need to stay. You have work to do. And so I think that during that time, during those periods when I was kind of coming out of that ex experience and I had stepped away from my abuser and I had really literally on my own created a, um, an experience that said, I will get through this. And I, I didn't tell my parents till I was out of the house. Oh, you did. So, yeah. Are you so a this mystic? Pretty, um, I, some might call me that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, I think that, I don't know that I necessarily would, would take that name myself. Um, but I, I would think that people might consider that from their perspective, that that might be something they would say. But would you consider yourself a healer? I have become more comfortable with that term of recent times. Yes. That I am definitely the capacity to help people and heal them by holding space for them to heal themselves. You know, I really think it's more about holding space and calling forth the best in someone. I think from that perspective, yes, I've had many people find healing in, in, in my company. Oh, you have. Leo, who's your best kind of client to work with? I've recognized now for me that with this, this gift, there is this opportunity to really shift. And I've gotten the download that I'm here to shift on a massive scale, the world of leadership and light bearers who are coming to really help and support people. So a lot of the healers, mystics, um, shamans, light bearing leaders who are out there doing work designed to really up level humanity are the people that I'm here to support. And the reason that is, is because they have perhaps either fallen into overwhelm or they're out of alignment with that sense of purpose. And they're trying to kind of get their message out. And they're really not sure about how to do that. So the, what I noticed for myself is the people that come to me who have a purpose, the Oracle has specific messaging, specific like down to detail steps for them to take to get them clear and free so that they can do their work in the world. And that's my gift is to just really be that channel to support them and making their message heard so that they can make a powerful and impactful difference as this world continues to evolve, which is what's really um, my understanding from the Oracle is the place we're at now. So Leah, when you first started helping people, right. was it difficult for you to ask for money in exchange for that? Very much so. I would be lying if I said that's not true. It's definitely a place now where I'm much more comfortable, but I recognize that even when I started out and a lot of the clients that I work with that are just starting out, that's one of the pieces we always work around, um, is a sense of how do you put a, how do you put a number on this gift, on this talent? And, um, you know, I, I had some really great guidance and, and support and I've, invested in lots of coaches and, and, um, mentors who have given me the tools I need to, to prosper and have a thriving business. And so I recognize that back then, one of those challenges was the idea that if you have a gift that somehow it should be given freely. Oh yeah. Right. So there's that kind of, <laughs> um, misalignment. And I got to a place where I understood that I know now that it is not the gift that they are paying for, right? So that mm -hmm. you can just take that away. It is the result that that gift provides them. It is the change it makes in their lives. It is what that's worth. 
that really they're paying you for. And I feel like when I get a client to a place where they can recognize that, it's the value of the difference you make. And oftentimes that can be priceless for people who have been so stuck and trapped in, um, you know, their blocks that they don't even know how to get to the next step. Right. Well, I understand that you help a lot of people through your coaching, but I noticed that you've also created a lot of products for people. What kind of products have you created? Right. So I've um, written some books. I have a couple of books that I wrote. Um, One is basically the program that I was delivered um, that with to me by the Oracle back when I kind of, like I said, came out of my twenties and I was ready to kind of start my life of six steps to really create this life that was based on purpose, that was based on using the universal law of attraction, as well as having a sense of alignment. So my book, The Power Plan, is my best-selling book that I wrote that talks about that process. And it also gives you the tools to do that. Um, I also have an online version of that, which actually walks you through the process and has a lot of videos and and testimonials and tools and resources as far as actual practical um, steps. And I really do believe in that. As a coach, I believe in that. As a person, I believe in that having real tools. So a lot of my programs have like actual worksheets and processes that you can, anyone can use, you know, so you don't have to be a, a, um, a mystic. You don't have to have all those, these things work because, you know, like gravity and air, they exist and we're showing people how to use them for the betterment of their lives and their businesses. So those tools are available, um, you know, and, and they're set up so that, um, we also include auditory. So for me, I also went to hypnotherapy preschool, so I'm a certified clinical hypnotherapist. And so I've also created some audio files, some self-hypnosis audio files for some specific challenges. I had my clients going through a lot. One, of course, is financial, as you just mentioned. So I have a financial freedom audio that they can listen to to really help shift their mindset around money and receiving money and doing it in a way that feels aligned and, and purposeful. So Leah, I want to ask you, did the book come first or did the other come first? Because this sounds amazing. An online version with worksheets, videos, audios, and, and hypnotherapy, which came first? Um, the book came first. I mean, say that the program came first and I worked that program live with people since 1994. So I've been doing this for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was doing this program one-on-one, right? So I'd have these small groups, but I was like, how do I reach more people? How do I get this out to more people? And that was the message that the Oracle kept feeding me. It was like, you need to reach more people. And I'm like, I'm one person, you know, I have so many days in a year. And so I decided to then take that and and create the book, which talks about my story, but also talks about the program. And so that came next and allowed me to kind of push the book out there. And then that's when I created the online version of it was after that to go ahead and reach even more people, because it's like, how do I combine the two? How do I give my words, my insights, um, with each of these chapters, for example. So that's when the online version came about. And, um, and that's where I kind of reached out to 76 countries. And I felt really proud of kind of getting that message out there and those tools out there to so many people. And what's your other book? My other book was really the other piece of that, which was how do you keep people inspired on a regular basis. Um, and I've been saying all these things on a regular basis. I was like, oh, if I put a book of inspiration together, you know, it's kind of a coffee table style book. It's just a beautiful book that has these inspired thoughts for business 
leaders to kind of, again, mindset pieces. So it is um, power up the law of attraction. And the idea there is to really kind of step in every week and take a moment to really connect to what success tips there are in relation to business and the law of attraction. The law of attraction means different things to different people. What does it mean to you? To me, it is the concept that on a quantum level, we are creating, co-creating with the universe that it's always listening to our thoughts, actions, and deeds. And it is reflecting back to us those things that we truly believe and hold at the highest vibration. And sometimes that can be a negative vibration and it can be a positive vibration. But wherever we are actually highest in our vibration, that is what we attract. Right. And, and it's really us who decides whether it's a negative or positive, right? Because right. They, does the universe really see it as negative or positive? Absolutely not. And I, I, it's, it's really amazing when people first sit in my, my, my first courses, I always say, here's what I want you to know. The secret is you're already using the law of attraction. Right, right. You're doing it right now. And you're just doing it unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And we're going to show you how to do it consciously. And it doesn't mean that the universe cares one way or the other. It's simply a vibrational reaction to what you're holding space for. And if you're worrying, you are using worry as a way to attract more of the things you're worrying about. Right. And if you're using affirmation and if you're using conscious visualization, then you are training your mind to attract those things as well. Simple. And if you don't have any money in your life, are you actually pushing money away? I like to say it almost as if you're, if the flow is all around you, which I believe with money, then one of the things when people say that is, is that it's not necessarily you're pushing it away. It's that you imagine that you have a hose and you're holding it kinked in one hand and the other, you're looking at why the water isn't coming out, right? It's, there are things that you have created belief systems you've created about money that are blocking the flow and the flow is still there. And when you look at those pieces of where you are with money, you can release that and then the flow will continue. And part of that is accepting flow from all avenues, which I think sometimes people get stuck around. Like I, I have this place that money is to come from, i.e. job, career, what have you. Mm -hmm. And so if it doesn't come from here, I, I don't see it. I don't acknowledge that there's a flow of abundance that's coming from all potential possibility. And so there's a lot to be played with in that. And I think first and foremost, typically comes to what are your core beliefs about money? Very interesting. As I look at you, Leah, you're wearing a beautiful blue outfit and you've got gorgeous jewelry. You've got earrings, you've got a necklace and on your finger, you've got a beautiful ring. Now, is yeah. that ring significant? Does it have meaning <laughs> to you? I, I'd really like to know the significance of your jewelry and especially that ring. Yes. Um, this ring, thank you for asking. It is a labradorite, which is a ring that uh, a stone that is used for um, sometimes for divination. It's for open claret channels and a lot of um, people who would be shamans or mystics or channels will be drawn to it because it is intended to open that. Field. And what's the name of that again that you said? Labradorite. Is that a kind of a stone? It is. It's a, it's a gemstone. It's a crystal stone. I know it's, it's a gem. And what but color I, is it? 
It is blue and green. It's depending on what you get. It's got multifaceted colors. I thought it was bluish. Yeah. yeah. Blue, yeah, it's blue and green and a little bit of gold in there and sometimes browns. And so the significance for me is it's interesting. I've always been drawn to this stone anyway, but um, this particular ring was handmade here in where I live in Portland, Oregon. And um, it has a great combination of metals and stone that are really energetically very supportive to me. I find that when I wear it, it feels kind of like my uniform. Mm, (laughs) It kind of brings me to a space of being mindful of like, presentness and also opening to this channel and listening and divination as well as a sense of purpose, which is really important to me. So sorry, there was a little guy there. Um, and so in the necklace, um, I, I just, you know, I, I like the texture of the necklace. Um, but yeah, the, the ring itself was, is, was something that I purchased, but it was a one of a kind piece that really spoke to me. That's interesting because I think things like that can make us feel at ease and comfortable and and do you agree with that I do absolutely yeah I mean I have always felt that way when I've you know I think when we when we when we step into whatever our attire is whatever that is for each of us I think it's all individual um we can feel either aligned with our with our look or or out of alignment you know we can feel like we're hiding or we can feel like we're really being seen and visible. And, um, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of working with a, a stylist, a French stylist, um, recently went to, went to Paris last October. And it was the ability to look at your colors, like you were just mentioning, like the blues and, and things that really actually help you to shine and show up, but feel really good in your skin, which I think is important for not just for visibility, but I also think for us to just be in our day, in a, in a way that feels calm and supported. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to ask you a question about bullying. Have you ever been bullied or have you ever been a bully where mindfulness would have made a difference, you know, looking back on a situation? Have you got a story yeah. for us? Right. You know, it's interesting. I, I thought about my own life and, and there is definitely some things there that I think from when I was much younger that I was actually a protector um, of people that were being bullied. Um, and, and I always felt that way. And I think that comes from my experience of having been abused, that I was the one to stand up for anybody else who was being bullied in right. my school. I think it was that acknowledgement that every soul mattered. And as I got older, that became really intense in me. So, you know, when I, I thought about like, how did mindfulness play a role then? I feel like it was more organic in the sense that I knew myself and I knew what it felt like to be me. And I could have a sense of knowing how to put myself in somebody else's shoes really early on. There was one individual in our class who I think now someone might say that he was kind of on the Asperger spectrum, Mm -hmm. autism spectrum. And I remember in junior high, he was being chased through all of the lockers in the schoolyard. And I remember stepping forward on his behalf. I didn't know him really, but I stepped up to stop the kids that were chasing him and, um, and just, you know, with my, not only my presence of just telling them to stop, which was kind of amazing at the time, but just giving him, just acknowledging him as a person and, and acknowledging them. I wasn't really even attacking anyone. I was just telling them this is just not okay. And we all just leave him alone. He doesn't need to be bothered by you. But what was interesting is that years later, we actually ended up working together at this uh, movie theater 
And he told me that he came up to me and said, I, I want you to know how much I appreciated that. Wow. You know, we were probably like six or seven years later at that point that that had happened. And I remember thinking, you know, how often we don't step up for each other. I mean, that point I was in my like early twenties. Right. And, you know, just, it helped to resonate for me that that's what seemed small, but important to me made such an impact on him. And I've carried that forward. And I have a child now who's seven and he had gotten bullied um, in kindergarten. And, and I remember stepping back into that place, but also now as who I am being able to have a conversation with him about knowing who he is. And knowing that if a person outside of you is having this issue with you, it may have nothing to do with you at all. So the first thing to do is just know whether or not it's true. You know, are you a good person? And he would say, yes. I'm like, then, then that person's comments are theirs and you can give them back. You don't have to hold on to them and you can take care of yourself. And what was really interesting is later, another child at some point had done something and he came home and he said, I think so-and-so is really not feeling good about himself today. Mm. And I was just really like honored to have hopefully had that conversation at early enough age that for him, he takes that forward and knows that there's a place where we exist and we can be mindful of how we treat each other. But we also have to be mindful of how we treat ourselves. Like how do we stand up for ourselves and be calm in our own skin? And hopefully he's starting to understand that. Wow, Leah, I love that story. That is that is incredible. Now, I know that you are found at oracleonpurpose.com. That's your that's where you live. That's your website, Oracle on Purpose and that's O R A C L E, Oracle on Purpose. So, check that out. Now, Leah, as we move forward, I want to ask you five quick answer questions if that's Great. okay. The first one is this, who is one person that has influenced mindfulness in your life? Well, I would say that Michael Talbot is a writer that has always really helped me to look at my mindset. And he wrote the book, The Holographic Universe. Oh. And I have two copies of that book that follow me around everywhere. But I remember the first time I read that book, it shifted something in me about recognizing how precious every moment really is. And is that the book then that you would recommend as well? The holographic universe? Yeah, I think that book. And of course, I, you know, always, I mean, go instantly to like the power of now from Eckhart right. Tolle. But I always think that this book is, is one of those unsung heroes, because I think if people read it, they'll be, they'll be surprised at how easy a read it is, but also the concept of, of, yeah, of universe of who we are in the universe. I think that's really important. Well, I haven't read that book and I don't think anybody's recommended it on the show before. So I love that. The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot. Talbot. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. My second question is, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Ooh. I think that for me, the ability to stay in a mindful state helps me to remain very calm in all kinds of experiences. You know, I, I think that it allows me to be a pillar in situations because I can remain calm and centered no matter what's happening. I do international retreats and things don't always go as expected. <laughs> and yet I can stay calm in those situations and, and really look for solutions 
from that state of calm and center. And I find that that's the thing that a lot of my clients receive from me. Like they can bring the worst of the worst, or at least what they feel is the worst of the worst. And in my being able to just remain calm and be centered about where we are in the universe together, I can give them the space to really hold that and not make it wrong or right, but just really hear it and hold it where it is. So Leah, is breathing part of your mindfulness? And if it is, can you describe that to us? Yes. I think part of when I was a, you know, doing my hypnotherapy more as like a, a profession as a hypnotherapist, my ability to take those people into hypnosis through breath work was really a big factor. And I think now, even for myself, like before I get on calls like this, or before I go on my own show or live TV and, and, and do interviews for myself, that I always take time to do some breath work before I go into any situation like that. Even when my, my own calls with my clients. Yeah, it's a big piece of it is to kind of close my eyes and take some breaths and recognize the breath moving through my body and that I'm present and aware. Um, yeah, I would definitely use it's automatic to me now to do it. So it's not as like less of a practice as it is just a part of who I am. Sure. Yeah. I understand that. Are there any apps that you recommend to your clients or that you use to help you with mindfulness and to get centered? You know, I, I, I don't think I have any apps that I do use for that. And I, I was thinking about that question. I don't really use any apps to that. I think for me, it's, I think the process of just being present Um, I like it because you can take it wherever you are. Absolutely. Do you have a daily practice of meditation? I do. What's that like? Yeah, for me, part of a huge part of my work has always been gratitude. And so every night I spend the end of my evening, um, in a state of gratitude, a visualization, I channel for my clients that are in my core group. And so my VIP clients, I hold them in space and I process energy that comes from, I do that with stones. So I actually use crystals for each of them. They each have their own stone and I hold their stone and I tap into the energy of that stone, the energy of who they are and where they are. And I hold all of that in this light energetic state of acceptance and hope. And then for me at the end of all of that, kind of to close it all up is the sense of just remaining in the gratitude and to fall into a rhythm before I go to sleep of closing my eyes and tapping in and breathing through all of those waves of energy and hope and peace and kind of setting every, I used to say that this is when I have clients, I see them like little chicks, like little fluffy balls of yellow energy. Uh And so I would say I'd be calling my chicks in to sleep at night and I'd call them all in and I just tuck them in with this energy of warmth and just pulling them all in and, and, and holding them in a space of, love and compassion and hope, and then hopefully giving them some peaceful rest at the end of the night. Wow. That's a beautiful picture. I I really like that. Have you ever placed your feet on a block of crystal in order to get grounded? I have not used crystal. I usually will. I usually am 99% of the time barefoot. Oh, are you? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I, um, the first thing I do when I come in my home is take my shoes off. Not, not, necessarily just for that idea like take your shoes off but it was like my feet have to be on the ground yeah on a regular basis i had this feeling that you're a very grounded person so that's what i wanted to ask you about that do you like to go out into nature and feel that groundedness as well 
Yeah. I spend time in my own garden with my feet in the grass. Yeah, definitely. To kind of get grounded. Yeah. So you go out there and work in the garden and you're barefoot and you, you love to work with plants and nature. Well, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the green thumb. I, okay. I like, I appreciate my husband is thankfully. Yeah. So we have a beautiful garden. It's not, I don't care, tend it, but yeah. I care for it. And I send it energy and I sit in it and I, and I do communicate energetically with the plants in the garden and, and just hold that space of, of receiving energy from the aura and sharing energy back to the aura of the plants around us. We have a giant, nearly hundred year old cherry tree in our backyard. It's uh-huh. massive. So I love to sit underneath that and just, you know, commune with it, with the trees and and with nature that way. So when you, when you take people on retreats, is it a mixture of men and women? Is it all women? What, what is this like? Thank you. Yes, it is men and women. I, I love working with both. I don't have, um, I, I tend to have a lot of women clients, but I think that's just general. Um, that's probably a lot of the women work from, from that place of wanting to have, um, support. And there's tends to be a lot more women in our field, I think, but I love working with men. I think it's great. And so, yeah, I've had both on my trips and, um, they're all welcome because it's all about the individual and the unique person. So I love having people um, from all walks of life. And how many do you take with you usually? The retreats are small and they're small on purpose. We have a maximum of 10 people okay. on these retreats. So we really dive really deep and we spend a lot of energetic work together. So I really want a sacred space for people to really be connected and feel like they don't have to be split off in little groups that we're all one group and we're all working together. And how long do they last? Um, they're eight, it's eight nights, seven days. So we spend a lot of time together. Oh, wow. Do you ever, and have you ever done any in the United States? You know, I haven't yet. And, and I've heard people ask me for that. One of the reasons I don't or haven't yet is the concept of putting people outside of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I, so we've gone to Thailand, we've gone to Costa Rica, um, August, this August, we have room left for our August retreat and we're going to Italy oh. and we're staying in a villa outside of Florence. Um, and so I try to find locations where it opens people up to new opportunity and new possibility and a little bit off the beat path. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess if I found a place in the United States that felt like that, that it would push people a little bit outside of their comfort zone. Um, I would, I would consider it but I really want people to feel like they're stepping outside of their world so that they can really release some of those typical daily trappings that we have that we're so comfortable with. Wow. It sounds like an amazing experience. Can we learn more about it at your website at oracleonpurpose.com? Can, if you go to the events page there, you can also go to master okay. creators, alchemy retreat, master creators, alchemy retreat and.com okay. that will actually give you all the information there as well. Master Creators Alchemy Retreat.com. Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, Leah. You, you're really offering the world amazing experiences. Well, thank you. And I, I love what you're doing. And I, and I really wanted to say, especially since I am a mother of a young boy, that, that the work that you're doing with bullying and, and mindfulness really touches my heart and it really makes me happy for the people that get to experience your work. And, and I know that the world will be better for it. Well, thank you so much for saying that. It's, it's such a pleasure to know you. I really appreciate all the work you're doing. Well, thank you. It was wonderful to speak with you today. Great. Bye now. 
Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember, if you're thinking of launching your own podcast, you can get a free month at Podbean with its awesome pricing and fantastic stats. And you can just do that by going to podbean.com slash podbean MM, standing for mindfulness mode. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.